gospel reading. Listen to the good news proclaimed in the Gospel of John, chapter 21, beginning at the 15th verse. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which, Jesus, by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. This is the gospel of Christ. As we're standing, let's pray. Lord, we pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to speak into every heart here. Lord, you know where we're at. You know the word that we need to hear and the word that you want to give into our hearts this morning. So move by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. Someone asked, um, once asked the renowned Lyman Beecher and said to him, you know, Mr. Beecher, what is the greatest thing that a human being, that they could do or they could be? And without hesitation, he replied, it's not to be a scientist, important though that should be. It's not to be a great statesman, that is really vastly important, it's not that. It's not to be an awesome theologian expanding God's word. Immeasurably important as it, that might be, it's not that. He said, the most important thing that a person can do is for one human being to bring another to Jesus Christ, the Savior. That is our purpose as church. Often we can get distracted. Our purpose in coming together today is not to have Happy fellowship, yeah, we enjoy that, not to have happy fellowship together. It's not about entertaining. It's not about saving. It's not about educating the masses and feeding the masses. Our purpose is to bring king, God's kingdom to this world, to bring the message of Jesus' saving love to this world. And we're looking at our Acts series, Church Alive, and we see that in Acts. There's a real Church Alive. But think of the churches that you know that are alive. What is that characteristic about that church? That they are passionate for the lost. They are reaching out to the lost. That is where you see a church alive. A church that is inwardly focused. A church that is focused on their comfort zones. A church that has all the good programs. But isn't passionate about the lost. It's empty inside. And if you watch that church over time, that church will shrivel and die. And that is the message, you know, we focused on the first part of that verse. Jesus' last words to his disciples were, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That second part goes with 
the first part. There's a sending out. Now, I'm sure, in fact, I know there are some of you sitting here today who think, that's not me. I really strongly believe there are some here even having questions about God, doubting their faith. And I want to tell you this morning, this message is for you. And, and I know that because God's changed the message. It's two weeks in a row. I'm a planned person. You've got to understand those who know me. So twice in a row, he's given me a different message. And three people separately who hadn't heard the other person praying, prayed that they believed there was someone um, doubting this morning um, and, and needing courage. So if that's you, God's messages for you this morning. And I believe it's not just to say, grow in your faith. It's not to say, look to me. It's more than that. It's to go out and bear witness to him. That's the challenging part. And I want us to look this morning at a man who denied Jesus, a man who rejected Jesus. Imagine that. I mean, if you think you have doubts, you have questions. Denying Jesus in front of having three opportunities to witness, three in a row, and every single one of them denying Jesus. Any of you can guess, I'm talking about Peter. And we're going to look at him because often we see this, this passage in Acts and we see this man preaching up a storm and we think, wow, we could never be like that. But I want us to take a few steps back. We read, I read the gospel reading, but a couple of chapters before that. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. And Peter's waiting outside the door. John goes in. You are not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. He replied, I am not. Then a few verses later, as Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, you are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, I'm not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him? in the olive grove, again Peter denied it. There he is, this man denying Jesus. So if, that's, if you've got questions in your mind, you feel you've got many cracks in your faith, there was a man who had denied Jesus, a man crushed, a man broken. But what do we see, and it's the gospel reading, a few verses later, Jesus is speaking to him, and he says, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? And he says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. Three times he does that. It's, they call it the reinstatement of Peter. One who was crushed, one who was broken. What is Jesus doing? He's saying, get your eyes back on me. You know, so often we feel we can't be witnesses because we've got so many cracks in us. We've got so many failings. We think to make people come to to Christ, we have to look good. And we have to make God look good, spruce up the image, and, and make Christianity look good, and then people will come. But that's not what it's about. And we see that in the life of Peter. It's about Jesus shining through our cracks. That, that verse in 2 Corinthians where it speaks about us being jars of clay. And in those days, the jars of clay had a lot of cracks. And it's God's light shining through. How often do we try and paint up those, those cracks, paint over those cracks to make ourselves look good so we can be good Christians. We think, until we're looking perfect. But actually, it's in our cracks that Jesus shines through the greatest. And that's an important message for us. So Jesus here is taking Peter and he's saying, stop looking at yourself. Stop looking at your failings. 
Look at me. Receive my love for you and respond with your love because we feed God's people. We go out and be witnesses as a response to God's love. It was about being with Jesus. That is what it's all about. You know, when we get to Acts, then Jesus has ascended into heaven, and we looked in the last couple of weeks, the people, the disciples, including Peter, they were praying continually for those 10 days. They were praying and praying. And it was that that made God's light shine through. Peter was a fisherman. He messed up many times. I, I like him because of that. But when we look at our failings, we must remind ourselves that it's God uses broken vessels. We sang that song, I see a new revival, stirring as we pray and seek. It's not about us doing all the right things. It's about us praying, being with Jesus. You know, when we had um, the Easter service here, there were, over, there were about nearly 200 people at the Easter service. And that's the most they've been here for a long time. Now I want to tell you, there was no major propaganda or program before that. What was there? We went on a prayer walk. We went along Delaware. We went along Blackwood. We went along these, and we were praying for the people. How God uses our prayers. And yet we get caught up in our busyness. And we run around, and we're more for Facebook, for the TV, for whatever it is, than for God's kingdom. Now, I did a funeral on, on Thursday, and someone said afterwards, you know, that's the kind of message we need every day. Because how often do we just get caught up in, in things of this world when actually, I, I really believe on our hearts is to do the things of God. We want to see God's kingdom come. I mean, I don't think there are many of you here today that will put your hand up and say, oh, no, I want to see a dead church. I want to see a church where we don't see people coming to know Jesus, coming alive in Christ. That is what we long for. And I want to challenge you. It's about the first, most important thing. It's about having that vision, looking in Jesus, being with Jesus. That is when we can be witnesses. Maybe if, if you're not spending time with God, thinking you're too busy. Fifteen is my challenge to you this morning. Fifteen. Fifteen minutes a day. You manage to brush your teeth. You manage to brush your hair. Some of you. Um, you manage to get changed and get here. We do all those things in our day. It's decisions. It's choices. Where are we investing? Be with Jesus. And that's where the transformation happens. The second thing, I want to challenge us with as we look at witnessing is, you know, when Peter went to those people, and actually it's amazing how scripture, you suddenly see something you haven't really thought about before. Those people he went out witnessing to, it doesn't say there were many from Jerusalem. There weren't many that he was in the comfort zone with. There were Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia. I mean, there were Arabs. There were all people from Rome. Imagine all these people coming together. You know, he had, in his prayer time, been so transformed by Jesus that he had that passion for those outside his culture. You know, you think of, I think of Arabs who burping is polite for. You think of all these different cultures coming together. And, I mean, imagine in this church, if suddenly we had 3,000 people coming to the Lord and we had all these different, different cultures here, from all over the world. It's pretty uncomfortable. But Peter was so transformed that he saw God's heart for those people. 
Now, Bill Hybels, he talks about, you know, our circles of comfort, how we like to be in our circles of comfort. We don't enjoy the zone of the unknown. But how often is it when the Holy Spirit's prompting you, it's into the zone of the unknown? It's often not to your friend that he's calling you to witness to. It's that person over there in the zone of the unknown that you feel a bit uncomfortable with. I mean, I find with me, it'll be those of a, whatever it might be, it's the Muslims and the Hindus. It'll be people who are, maybe they're groups of people and they're, they're friends that I know, and there'll be someone sitting by themselves, and I feel the Holy Spirit's nudge, the zone of the unknown, how God wants to take us and move us, but it's by focusing on Him. You know, we sang in the song, Break My Heart for What Breaks Yours. Yesterday, what did you see that broke God's heart? Maybe there was a beggar, an irritating beggar who was pleading for something. Maybe there was a rich person who you thought had it all together. But maybe inside was broken. Maybe the biggest thing that broke God's heart yesterday was that your heart was not broken for the things that break his God's calling on us to be his witnesses, to be his witnesses out there when it's uncomfortable. There's that song, Kyrie Eleison. I'm not sure if, you've, if you know that song. Look around you, can you see? Times are troubled, people grieve. See the violence, feel the hardness, all my people weep with me. Walk among them, I'll go with you. Reach out to them with my hands. Suffer with me and together we will serve them, help them stand. And then the last verse, forgive us, Father. Hear our prayer. We'll walk with you anywhere. Through your suffering with forgiveness, take your life into the world. Now, God's called us to be a sending church. He's sending you, you're sent people. You're sent into your workplace. You're sent into your families. You're sent wherever it may be, you're sent. And he's still sending us. I mean, have ever, any of you thought, has God called me to be a missionary? How awesome would that be if some of us get sent off as missionaries to some country far away? Maybe God's calling you to the ordained ministry. Maybe God's calling you to some mission work locally. What is God calling you? He's sending us. And that's so important. You know, I see it sometimes when, I, when we encourage people, say, home groups, let's multiply. Oh, no, no, but we're comfortable. We're, we're comfortable where we are. It's the zone of the unknown. What are we missing out on by holding back? Or I don't want to go to the 7 o'clock service or help at the 6 o'clock to grow them because it's the zone of the unknown. I'm not with my, my friends and my mates and I know what's going down. Go on a, a mission trip to, to Addington or to wherever. It's the zone of the unknown. But you know, it's when we get in that zone of the unknown, what happens? That's where God does his amazing work. That's where he does it through our brokenness and us reaching out from that place of brokenness in a place where we can only rely on the Holy Spirit and not on ourselves. That is where God does his greatest work. You know that in Isaiah, God says, who will go? And, and Isaiah replies, here I am, send me. Is that our response? Um, there was a um, George Truett, he was a uh, minister, great evangelist, and he spoke about after the service, 
people coming down to give their lives to the Lord. And there was a, a girl, and she, she was a servant. This was a few hundred years ago, uh, a couple hundred, uh, 1700s, I think. And um, she was a servant girl, and she spoke mainly German. And in her broken English, she said, I want to give my life to the Lord. And he said, well, you must wait a week because we want to explain to you, make sure you understand. This is a big decision. And then he moved on to the next. She said, that's fine. He moved on to the next person. Next minute, she is just sobbing and sobbing. From the auditorium at the back, it's just the sound. It's embarrassing. She's just sobbing. And he comes back and he says, please understand. And she tries to explain. She says, that's not why I'm crying. That's not why I'm sobbing. I'm sobbing because I have a brother who is lost, who doesn't know the Lord. And, and I so want us to pray this morning. I want him to know the Lord. I don't want him to be lost in his sin. That is why I am crying. Are we weeping for those people? You know, it's a biblical truth that it's by Jesus only that we go to heaven. And what lies beyond the grave? We have life through Jesus and Jesus alone. Are we seeing other people through Jesus' eyes with his heart? His heart for everyone to be saved. The last thing I just want to say about Peter is we get to Acts reading. And there he knows his brokenness. He doesn't focus on himself, the great power. Wow, look at us. We're speaking in other languages. We're doing this. What is the message he brings to those people? He brings the message of Jesus. That is what his message is, the message of Jesus. And the whole time, it's focused on Jesus. He died. He rose again. He, he has the courage because he says, you with the help of wicked men nailed him to the cross. He would have said that to us this morning. You with the help of wicked men nailed Jesus to the cross. And people say, what must we do? Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. There's that man who was broken, that man who had all the doubts in the world, that man who was destroyed, the sinner, and there he is, preaching the gospel of Jesus. And 3,000 coming to know Jesus. You know, when I heard um, Billy Graham preach for the first time, and I was waiting for this awesome message, this kind of powerful humding of a message. And I was a bit disappointed. It was the gospel message, but it was plain and simple. And what happened at the end? Hundreds, maybe thousands of people, it was in a stadium. They came pouring down to give their lives to the Lord. What's going on here? And it was a message to me that it's not about ourselves. It's not about painting up the gospel of Jesus, painting ourselves. It's about praying, seeing Jesus, having that heart for people, heart for the lost, and then giving the plain, simple truth of Jesus that we are dead in our sin without him, and only in him are we alive in Christ, and how people need Jesus and need that forgiveness of sins. You might say, I don't see myself as a preacher. Well, I want to say to you first, Peter, I bet you he didn't see himself as a preacher. I bet you that we looked at the Samaritan woman at the early service. She wouldn't have seen himself as a, as a preacher, yet a whole village was converted. She had five husbands, was living with her man she was with then. She con through her, God converted a whole village. Think of Alan Beasley, who said, you'll never see me at the front of church, ever. And who God uses, you've got to be careful what you say. And it stands up here. Maybe it's in different ways. You know, um, there's one of the famous evangelists said, preach the message of Jesus, and if you must, use words. 
Because that is the greatest testimony. Holier than thou is deadly. Sacri superficial, self-sacrificial behavior, that's meaningless. But when people see the holiness of Jesus living in his love, showing his love to the broken, the downtrodden, when they see that holiness in us, when they see Jesus shining through, that is attractive. That is what draws them to the gospel of Jesus. Preaching, it means to earnestly advocate. Are we going out there earnestly advocating the God whom we serve, the, the God who has changed our lives, who has made us alive in him? I really encourage you, as I draw to a close, that if you're in that place, if you're in that place of feeling disillusioned, you're in that place of thinking, I can't do it, you're in that place of having tried and spoken to someone, you never know how God is using that. He'll do it in his time. It's up to us to listen to his nudges. If you're in that place of even doubting your faith, doubting Jesus, look at Peter. God is speaking that word into your heart today that just as he reinstated Peter, he would reinstate you today and put that on your heart. You know, there are people in Gemmel, I don't know if it's Avenue Road, they need Jesus. Delaware, Blackwood, your next door neighbors, do they know Jesus? The people at your kids' school, the people at your school, the people at your work, they need Jesus. We have this treasure in jars of clay, and it doesn't shine through our beautiful paintedness. It shines through our brokenness. Jesus' last words, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. That is the call for each one of us, and we can't do it on our own. But just like Peter, as we look into the face of Jesus, we can do immeasurably more than we can imagine. Let's pray. Lord, we see so much brokenness around. It's just that reminder that you would want us to be your healing. And you say, Lord, where are you? It's you wanting to work in us. Break my heart for what breaks yours, Lord. Our longing is for our hearts to be broken. Help us not to get caught up in the busyness of every day. To be with you each day, whether it's 15, whether for some of us it's more, whatever it may be, to be with you to be walking with you, to hear you say that you love us and ask us if we love you, to hear your call that we're responding to you and not to our brokenness. Jesus, I pray for the courage for every single person here. I pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for those people that this message was especially for this morning, that they may know that your word is speaking to them, that just as you called me to respond to your nudge. I pray that they may respond to the nudge of your Holy Spirit in their lives right now. That they may look in your face and be reinstated. That they may be renewed in their love for you and refreshed, restored to be your witnesses in the world. I pray for every single person here, Lord, for that passionate calling that we as St. Margaret's may be a church alive for you, a church that is sent and ascending. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.